0: Hi, welcome to Grace Intersect. The goal of this podcast is to help us have an increasingly clear understanding of grace. My name is Jerry Moldenhauer. Thank you for joining us today. So he was a typical looking upper 20-something young man, tall and slender with an apparent quiet demeanor. My job was to train him for a delivery route driving a cargo van. He wasn't very familiar with larger vehicles, but was quite eager to learn. This wasn't going to be a career move for him. He had more important goals for his life. However, it was necessary to help him finance his plans. While riding along, he showed a responsible and teachable attitude. He picked up things quite well and asked good questions. His turn to drive was almost like a teenager taking his first driving lesson. His nervousness wasn't really alarming. It just showed that he was doing something new. There was an underlying confidence. More than anything, he just needed experience. After a few hours, he settled in nicely and began to loosen up a bit. A bit of probing on my part brought out an interesting story. As best I can remember it, he came from a somewhat emotionally troubled background that led to problematic behaviors. His relationships at home and elsewhere were not really that stable. He found himself looking for something better for his life, for meaning and purpose that would get him out of his endless struggles. He was exposed to Christianity at home. However, it wasn't something that he found very attractive since it didn't seem to make much of a positive difference in his family. He struck out on his own, did some college, and worked a lot of different jobs. Somewhere along the line, he was introduced to Buddhism. He found the approach of his mentors to be one of calm and peacefulness. An emphasis on kindness also appealed to him. He wanted to buy in. The inner struggles of his past were still with him. Drugs and alcohol and a bad temper were not easily dismissed. He challenged his Buddhist mentors with unacceptable attitudes and behaviors. It wasn't like he really tried to be that way as much as it's just who he was. He didn't know how to deal with it, even in an environment that wasn't antagonistic. They didn't know how to either. Apparently, there are various groups in Buddhism much like denominations in Christianity. Or maybe it's more like various orders of the Catholic Church. At some point, this young man was told that his time was up in that particular group. He wasn't making sufficient progress in his religious practices, his attitudes and behaviors, and it was too unsettling for them to have to have him continue with them. By this time, he had become comfortable with the Buddhist culture. He didn't want to leave it, so his group recommended some other groups that might be a better fit for him. He began what seemed to be like a church hopping, looking for a group that would be a match for who he was and what he needed. Unfortunately, some of the groups had already been made aware of his reputation and were not all that welcoming. Finally, he came across this one group who, while not encouraging him to join them, did suggest that he travel somewhere in the Far East, maybe Tibet, I don't really remember the country, where he could have some better help in overcoming some of his personal problem areas. They were willing to conditionally let him hang with them until he could get the resources to make the journey. He was all in. He would do whatever it took to meet this new goal. His hope was sky high. This delivery job seemed to be a good step along the way. His interaction with customers was almost nil. Even meeting with other employees was limited to a few minutes in the morning. While the income wasn't great, it was steady. It was a means to an end. In this case, He hoped the journey would end in Tibet or somewhere with him becoming a Buddhist monk. Listening to this flood of audible processing was a bit cathartic for me. Some important aspects of his life I could identify with. You may find yourself resonating with some of it as well. Of particular note was the ball of confusion that he seemed to live in. It sounded like his relationships were a mess, that he just existed. Like he was a mess and had no understanding of why he existed life looked to be pretty much meaningless. While I could relate to some of what he experienced, most of my life was reasonably satisfying. His wasn't. He was pretty much miserable and didn't know how to change it. What he generally observed and experienced in life up to that point wasn't much help. Life didn't make much sense. Confusion, frustration, dissatisfaction, emptiness within, hopelessness. He said it felt like he was a floundering mess. Well, in some ways I've been there too haven't you? Can you relate? In fact, if it wasn't for a love connection with my parents, siblings, and extended family, and the support system of the church, I could see how quite easily a decision here or there would have me ending up very much like him. So, I'm very thankful for the love and support of family and friends. It allowed me to process the junk of life more safely than this young man apparently had an opportunity to do. Those times when I experienced frustration, confusion, dissatisfaction, emptiness within, hopelessness, and more, those times were bad enough with the safety net of relational support. My heart goes out to people like this man. We all have to process life at this level to some degree. Once we have, our confusion, frustrations, and so on can shift to other areas, areas like school, jobs, marriage, church, Having in my early teens generally processed my thoughts about life, purpose, and meaning, one of my main areas of serious confusion was the church. Previous episodes have detailed some of that confusion. One of the areas of confusion, not only in the church of my birth, but is obviously in a lot of Christian churches, is the mixing of Old and New Testaments of the Bible in improper ways. In fact, this might be a main root of confusion throughout Christianity. One of the areas of confusion, not only in the church of my birth, but is obvious in a lot of Christian churches, is mixing the Old and New Testaments of the Bible in improper ways. In fact, this might be the main root of confusion throughout Christianity. For some reason, while the message of rightly dividing the two testaments, also called covenants, has always been consistently delivered throughout history, somehow that message seems to get confused quite easily. I wonder if that isn't because the pure message of God's grace is so incredibly astounding, so profoundly impacting. It can't be that simple. It's too good to be true. There has to be something I must do, or at least should do. There must be a level of achievement I am responsible for. Growing up in our church, we sang a lot of guilt-inducing songs. I especially remember those about work and working, One song was called, To the Work. Another was called, Work for the Night is Coming. I don't know the authors' intents in these songs, but I know that they were used to shame and guilt us into doing more of whatever the leadership thought was needed. While they referenced evangelism or good deeds, they certainly didn't convey the New Testament message of resting in the grace and freedom Jesus provides. Here's another great example of the kind of mixed messages I'm talking about. In a hymnal from my childhood church are two songs right across the page from each other. One is entitled, Trust and Obey. It states that when we do what Jesus wants, he will stick with us. It implies a conditional relationship with Jesus. What happens when we falter and do not trust and obey enough? I believe the intent of the songwriter and most of the people leading our church were probably well-intentioned. They were encouraging what they thought was something good. But if they understood more completely the message of Jesus, that song wouldn't have been written. Or it would have had to have had a world of explanation to make it fit what Jesus taught. Right across the page was another song, one that has always been one of my very, very favorites. That song I have deeply resonated with and didn't always even know why. The song, It Is Well With My Soul, very passionately expresses the heart and message of Jesus. No shaming or guilt-tripping possible in this song. Just grace upon grace. Find this song and listen to it if you want to hear Jesus speaking to you, to your soul, right now. When you come to the third verse, accept it, claim it, revel in it, love it. My sin, not in part, but the whole is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. That, that is the true, clear, powerful message of Jesus. You can rest in His grace, hope, freedom, love, from now and for eternity. No measuring of your obedience, work, or imperfections. The focus is rightly on what Jesus has done, not on what we can do or not do. Wow. I get emotional just about every time I hear that song. Tears of gratitude and joy only symbolize the increasing depth of love I have for Jesus and what it means to be in relationship with Him. As the grace of God through Jesus has become better understood, I have become more sensitive to the convoluted messages of grace and works in the Christian church. To dilute the grace message with anything works, obedience, rules, rituals, attitudes, behaviors, is to diminish Jesus, who he is and what he has done. Just because our intentions are good doesn't mean it is acceptable to confuse the message of Jesus. Recently, we heard a beautiful sounding song. Some of it caught my attention because I could relate very well with it. Then the lyrics went to a place that jarred my heart. I couldn't go where the song just went. Maybe it's just me being too sensitive to a message that can devalue or tangle the gospel message. The name of the song is Whole Heart. Some of the lyrics are so good. You pulled me from the clay, you set me on a rock, called me by your name, and made my heart whole again. As a life that was messed up like a piece of dirt, I have been rescued and given stability. Not just that, but Jesus has brought me into his family. I'm now called by his name. He has given me a new, whole, and perfect heart. In another part, the song says, Once I was broken, but you loved my whole heart through. Sin has no hold on me, because your grace holds me now. Yes! So well said. And the music is good too. So, that is the grace message. Spiritually, we are no longer defined by our imperfections. We are now forever secure in the power of God's grace. There is more in the song that is so good, the message is strong and clear. But then, where does this come from? Such a clashing abandonment from what we had just sung. Here are the following words. So, here I stand, high in surrender. I need you now. Hold my heart, now and forever my soul cries out. Unfortunately, that refrain is repeated over and over and over. Having just expressed the completed work of Jesus in us, having just spoken to our spiritual security and his power, now the message suddenly becomes that it isn't enough. Why do I stand in surrender when our original surrender to Jesus brought us into oneness with him? Jesus accepted our surrender and sin has no hold on me. Why do I say I need him now, when I can't get any closer to him than he has already brought me? He has already given me all that I need for life, for godliness. Why must my soul cry out for him to hold my heart, when he has already given me a new one? Am I afraid he will reject me, become distant from me, or me from him? That's not possible, if he's keeping his promises. Either what Jesus did for us is enough complete, finished, and secure forever? Or it isn't? Why would I want Jesus to do over and over what he has already done thoroughly with permanent results? Why is it so hard to allow Jesus to take us to a whole new place in relationship, a place where there is no hint of threat to that relationship, where fear in the relationship doesn't exist? This isn't a relationship with another human that is subject to any number of weaknesses. This is a loving, life-giving God and His promises we are talking about. I'm not sure about this, but maybe it's because we still, in some ways, feel like we have to be part of the equation. Maybe we still feel like we must somehow demonstrate an effort on our part to accept what Jesus has done. We seem to need to make it, at least partly, about us. It's like somewhere we're not quite measuring up, so Jesus needs to continually rescue us. That loudly smacks of a pre-grace time. There is needless message confusion in this song. While it embraces God's grace on one hand, it discredits it on the other. I have prayed that the writer would come to see this confusion and rewrite some of his lyrics. Obviously, this isn't the only song in the Christian genre like this. Having contemplated this episode, you may have some possibilities running through your mind. If so, give them some attention. You may reconsider what songs you want to speak to you. There are a handful of songs I used to love that no longer are part of my playlist. In some ways, I miss them because I enjoyed the music, and the messages at the time seemed to speak to me. Now I hear a message I no longer believe. That holds back my spiritual development. I encourage you to listen to all music, at least initially, with a critical ear to the message. Does it give a good presentation of the gospel without compromise? Or does it weave in concepts that focus in any way on what we were before Jesus, as if there is still work to be done for us to be completely acceptable? Or on what we need to do or be for Jesus' approval? Sometimes, the music and lyrics can emotionally influence us and yet give mixed messages about our relationship with Jesus. We can be connected by song to needs, concepts, and fears that Jesus already took care of, When He gave us a new heart and spirit, adopted us into His family, gave us a closeness to Him that makes us one with Him, when He secured for eternity our future with Him, should we still be begging for more of Him, to be closer to Him? It's important to remember what we already have as new creations in Christ, fully, foundationally, and forever united with our Savior. What is the impact of songs that keep asking us, or what God has already given us. That is worth considering. I don't know where the young man is that I spoke of at the beginning of this episode. We didn't see much of each other after that training experience. I prayed for him often. At some point, he just wasn't around anymore. His searching journey is uniquely his, but generally, all of ours, in more ways than one. We all want clarity in life. We want to understand better. More completely, what life is all about, especially our own. We would like to know better why things are the way they are and where they're headed. But right now, we aren't entirely sure what we're looking at, even when we look into a mirror. A New Testament writer, Paul, said Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. In another place, the writer Paul penned that those whom Jesus has made new are his masterpieces. That is to say, we are his works of art. While we stumble through the human frailties of this life, our eternal lives are complete, whole, perfect. They are masterpieces worthy of the artist, God himself. Therefore, I can say, it is well with my soul. Thank you for listening today. My name is Jerry Moldenhauer, and this is the Grace Intersect Podcast. As we process grace together, please know your thoughts and questions are always welcome. Comments may be made at the graceintersect.com website or by emailing comments at graceintersect.com. Have a great day.